Hi everyone and welcome to our 41st um, SAMA webinar where we invite an expert to talk about the area of expertise. And this week we're lucky to have Amanda Dawn Volmer with us. And she's going to talk to us about understanding cancer causation and the parasite connection. Amanda holds a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotechnology from the University of Lethbridge, 2000, uh, from Alberta, Canada. Uh, she, has a, she has a Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine Diploma from the Canadian College of uh, Naturopathic Medicine. That's in 2008, again from Toronto. And she has a rich experience as a certified lab um, animal technician at the University of Alberta. Uh, for most of her life, Amanda has taken an interest in uh, botanical medicine. She's taught herself um, on, the, on the topic many years, uh, doing her formal training and um, studies through the um, courses that she's taken. Actually, I've screwed that one up, haven't I? But if I can do that part again, Sam can do his magical uh, editing. Um, Amanda, Amanda has taught herself on the topic for many years uh, through the course of her formal medical training. Um, she's developed many of her extra senses uh, through martial arts and dance, and Amanda realised she had a natural gift for sensing illnesses. Her hands could detect illness where other senses failed. Uh, she soon sought answers via the energetic healing arts and became a registered uh, Reiki practitioner and teacher, among other modalities. Uh, she had a first Kundalini rising experience in 2000 and has assisted many to heal all kinds of acute and chronic diseases from early to end stages successfully with holistic principles since 2008. So welcome to our show, Amanda. I'm looking forward to uh, the things that you, have, you uh, are going to talk about today. Um, so Amanda, if you can please explain to our viewers the link between parasites and cancer and possibly other diseases. Well, thank you for having me on the 41st show of SAMA. It's exciting. Um, I really appreciate being here. And um, I think you did a great introduction. <laughs> I, uh, I've been, I have a lot of videos on YouTube right now. One of the first ones that I began with was um, understanding cancer and helping people with cancer. I lost my grandmother to uh, ovarian cancer. Um, and I've had a very close encounters with it on a, you know, friend to friend basis and so forth. And, uh, and I noticed it growing. I noticed there's more people, um, experiencing this and that the rates are gone very high, especially in North America. I don't know what the rates are in China particularly, but in North America, it's close to 50%. Um, and by 2020, it'll be even higher. And so our rates are increasing. And uh, I was fascinated with, I'm fascinated with disease in general and what mm. causes disease, but also um, if you identify it from the correct model in which you're looking at your worldview, if you understand the physiology appropriately, then mm. how can you apply holistic principles to rectify that and heal that? without going through um, a lot of the, uh, the medical side of it, the, the, all of the suppressive medicines, you know, the chemo and radiation, all these kinds of things. And right. in learning and reading, I, I stumbled upon Hulda Clark, 
and some um, other materials uh, probably more than a decade ago. Actually, Hulda Clark was one of the first I started to read. Um, mm. She's quite controversial, um, but she found links to parasites and cancer and also uh, parasites and AIDS and other chronic diseases. And her belief system and her what her information told her was that the parasite is the cause of many of these illnesses. And, mm. um, and so she went about it in a very holistic manner of, of healing, uh, removing the parasite. And when she removed the parasite, a lot of people were healing from these diseases. Um, there's definitely a link and it's, it's most certainly in my research at this stage, more complicated than, um, just, you know, parasites cause cancer sort of thing, because I'm, what I'm also seeing is that when the body is diseased already, when the tissue is already toxic, say from heavy metals or from stress or from, um, improper lifestyle, um, pesticides, residue, uh, antibiotic use, uh, other types of drug use, acidity. When, the, when you have damage, this invites in microbes and hosts to just simply eat the tissue that's available to it. It's now delicious to them. That's like a host, uh, you know, you're preparing a meal um, for your guests and the guests are just arriving and then, you know, you're sort of preparing for that. Um, and I'm seeing that relationship and then I'm understanding from the cancer side of it that it's also, there's a toxicity, there's a carcinogenic aspect when the defenses of the body fail and it's the body trying to wall off toxicity and um, pouch out toxicity and move those things away from vital organs or systems that are really needing to be uh, quite refined uh, and really just save the body from its own destruction, but they can't get out. The material can't get out. So the organs of elimination, they're not working properly. And oftentimes right. we'll see uh, co-infections, microbes and parasites at these sor sources or sites. So you're, um, are you suggesting that it's really the burden on our bodies with the toxic materials and with um, opportunist um, parasites that, that allow other diseases to um, to grow? Yeah, correct. The disease force has already been initiated, if you will. Um, okay. And even previous to that, what we're seeing is in childhood even, um, or infancy, if there was a trauma of some sort, where whether it be emotional or physical, for example, a concussion or a broken bone on the physical side or some sort of emotional trauma or something that uh, marked upon the child. And that leads to uh, a psyche, something happening in the psyche, and that affects the brain. And the brain then, uh, as the you know, a central nervous system, dictates to organ systems. And the associated, depending on the location of that injury, or where the associated organ systems related, um, and this pairs back to um, traditional Chinese medicine, which I am uh, uh, trained in and a fan of, uh, there's then damage uh, accordingly along that meridian to that organ system. And interestingly enough, that is the area in which the toxins tend to accumulate in the body. So the tissue's already damaged, and then the heavy metals, say, or pesticide residue tends to accumulate in those regions, which is fascinating as a trend. Mm -hmm. 
And then as we know, when tissue is repeatedly damaged and when tissue's DNA cannot repair properly, things start to go haywire and that's when the body begins to um, create a walled off section. And inside of that, that can fester and become um, its own blood supply, its own, its own life force, if you will. Um, and then that, that in turn can also spread. That, that's if the body cannot manage the toxic burden. So to answer your question, yes. Yes, it is a toxic burden issue. However, there is still preliminary energetics and issues happening just to even set up the body for where that toxicity is going to actually affect them in their life, which is fascinating. Um, uh, right. You, you touched on the emotional side. Um, and, and, and two um, seminar webinars we've had in the past, we dealt with um, emotional freedom techniques. Is this a technique that you think would be, um, you know, that would be beneficial in your line of thought to relieve um, part of the burden on the emotional side? So, um, your body, you know, can then focus more energy into, um, you know, restraining the other um, germs, the other bugs that are trying to take control. I, I, I have uh, some experience with EFT and the tapping procedure. I think there's great merit and value to it. Mm. I think, um, as with all systems, it should be done in a holistic way, meaning you're addressing all the layers. You're, you're addressing mm. the emotional layer. You're address, addressing the mental aspects, any addictions that are there. You're addressing the physiology, the physical aspect. You're detoxing the body. You're, um, you're exercising. You're doing all the correct lifestyle aspects. You're not just focused on one or the other. But yes, I do like emotional freedom technique. Um, there's been some controversy when I've gone into sort of deeper studies, some people saying that it um, there's a suppressive aspect to it. But in practicing it myself, I have found that not so much to be the case. I do feel that mm. I'm, uh, I'm less um, internalizing and uh, suppressing and more expressing because it's a you're speaking to it, right? You're like, it's like you're, right. you're taking something that was more subconscious and you're, when you speak to it, you bring it into the light, into your conscious awareness. And in that way, you can digest that morsel. You can uh, complete maybe some aspect of it that you haven't been able to complete in your mind. Um, and I, I like the um, aspect of the meridians being worked on with the tapping as well. I think mm -hmm. that combination, electrically speaking, is very powerful. So, yeah, definitely mm -hmm. a good thing to go to. I think it, um, it focuses on, on acceptance. It's something that has happened, but the sole thing is you accept yourself and you still love yourself. Yes. And so if, if, if you haven't got that trauma which is a burden, I guess, the emotional burden, um, your body's energies can then be focused in, in areas which are, which are possibly more important, like, um, like cancer. <laughs> yeah, and cancer, you will, every time you um, notice where the cancer is in that individual, you can easily pair it back to the emotional aspect related to that. Uh, we'll see a lot of suppressed anger um, or, or rage in uh, especially in women we'll see that in breast cancer mm. um, they're not they haven't felt uh, that ability to express that rage they've suppressed it back they're, and usually there's an aspect of their maternal side to them that they haven't been able to 
rectify or express properly, right? And you'll see mm. this time and time again where, um, and if you look at German New Medicine as a, as a rule, you can see that they can actually do MRIs of the brain and, and mm. get the actual imprint of what's happened from the, um, the shock trauma uh, or the undigestible morsel, as it's called, uh, the aspect of the psyche that hasn't been able to resolve that and hasn't then, through the resolution of it, been able to properly express uh, or own, if you will, what that um, emotional aspect is. And the, the, those individuals who really want to heal, they go and they do that work. They go into that emotion and they express that and they heal it in whatever way uh, it is. And if they're blocked there, then that's part of the healer. The healer has to try to assist them to overcome the fear to face that. And sometimes it's very difficult because if there's trauma at a very young age where their logical mind has not yet established itself, uh, it can be very, very difficult to overcome that with a log in a logical setting. So then you have to get into like more art therapy or movement therapy or something more abstract for their mind to express it and then complete that um, that trauma cycle within them. And sometimes they, they are very afraid to go there, which is, is challenging. I like homeopathy for that often. Okay. So um, just talking about the triggers for serious diseases like cancer, we've got emotional um, and we've got toxic um, environment, be it heavy metals. Um, what other triggers can you, um, can you think of? Well, the most, uh, if, you, if you, again, go back to German New Medicine, any, everything seems to have come from the subtle and then yes. descended into the, into the gross, if you will, into the dense. So it's come from, from where, you know, we, we understand energy, right? You don't, you don't see the fields that are behind you right now, right, with your mm -hmm. two eyes, unless you have special skill, but it's there. So there's something and there's electromagnetic frequencies as well that's very much mm. affecting our fields, affecting our cognition, affecting our ability to process nutrients, assimilate nutrients, um, because it's not just toxins in, it's also your, you have to assimilate your nutrients. And if you're nutrient deficient and toxic load is too high, that burden and toxic load can also be from the emotional field, your toxic thoughts, your toxic right your toxic emotions absolutely all, all of those things and those mm. those if those can accumulate without the nutrition and to process that out then mm. you're going then that's i mean you're setting yourself up for immune system if you will i like to call it defenses more than immune system but mm. your defenses then um are are depleted and now you can't your body cannot take care if there is a parasite that comes in how is it going to defend itself? It can't, right? And then uh, there are very specific parasites that we know can damage tissue quite considerably and lead to a reaction like a tumor. Um, that's pretty well studied. I, you know, you can sure. look that up pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if a tumor is the uh, body's attempt to isolate uh, the toxins or the, um, you know, the disease... Mm -hmm. but it's not actually a disease itself. Um, there have been studies, in fact, Royal Rife would take a sample from inside a tumour yeah. and, and inject that into, a, into a, a rat. 
and then the tumor would grow in that rat. So it's all transferred from one to the other. And rats being, you know, quite simple animals, they haven't, I don't think they'd have so much emotional trauma or, you know, it seems to be specific to the tumor, that something inside the tumor could spread to another animal. And without that injection, that, that animal would not develop the tumor. So what is your take on that? Well, for one, rats as a model, I would have expanded that. I don't know if he did, but rats are tumor formers. They're, e they're easily formed tumors in toxic, toxic states. Um, okay. I mean, just having dealt with many rats through my life, uh, they are, they're easy to form in that way, just the, by their nature. Uh, maybe using a rabbit model would have been, you know, would have been interesting to see would it have also occurred in a rabbit, for example. But then, okay. but then logically speaking, if you have a tumor that's developed past a point where it's become its own entity, where it has its own now DNA encoding, right? And it has its, it's taken over the cell, it's taken over the mitochondria of the cell, and it is directing its own cellular growth then if you were to take that material and put that in another, then that is new DNA material you've just put inside a, a, a living being. And that mm. should then proliferate according to the instructions of the blueprint of that DNA. So it should, it should by, unless the body of that creature can overcome that and apoptose or destroy those cells, right? Uh, mm. But if it can't, and it's it, the cell type is um, hiding enough from the defenses or able to navigate around that if it's its own life form at that point, by all mm. means, makes sense that it would also create the same structure because it's using the same blueprint, right? Right. Okay. Um, but I mean, life can't create from nothing. And so the tumor has got DNA, which indicates it's a life form. It must have come from something. It yeah, it's not from a, a mixture of A to B and mix it up and then add a bit of warmth. And, and <laughs> well, and what's amazing is that um, that's where you've got parasites and, and microorganisms involved. And that like Judy Mikovits, she studied the um, components of vaccines. She's a, um, a lab researcher. And she found that all vaccines were contaminated with mycotoxins and other heavy metals. And she was a whistleblower and she lost her job because of it. it you know, she was, it was a ho horrible thing how it would happen to her when all mm. she did was just identify that this was happening, right? Um, mm. But what she, in her studies, she started to understand that these um, bits of protein, these bits of DNA particles or RNA particles, if they can get a capsid or they can get enough material to put themselves together, they can, they're alive. They can become living, living organisms, their own hybrid, their own, their own creation. Um, they have all the components that are necessary and of, of life essentially. So it's like we're creating these Frankenstein monsters inside. And so you, because we, we, all, we all know, it's pretty common knowledge that they put some nasty things inside vaccines to induce reactions, they say. Um, and they say that the, uh, it's snippets of DNA that they have inside the vaccine which disable the pathogen so they can't replicate. You're saying they do replicate. Is yeah. that how? 
Yeah, they're smarter than that, for one. Uh, you know, they're, um, you can put together particles and make hybrids and create different aspects. You can make new disease forms from those bits because they can get implanted inside of a cell. And then all it takes is another type of a particle, partial, a partial DNA fragment to to travel by or get engulfed by a macrophage, for example, and there was already another piece involved inside that macrophage, and you've got now two things mixing together. Um, and then all that needs is to gather from a bacteria, get some flagella, get some parts together, um, and it can it can become life. And the, I think it was, uh, what was his name? Another doctor I remember studying on cell phone radiation see if I can remember his name in a minute, but he, uh, Carlo, Dr. Carlo. Yeah. And he, he found that what was happening with EMF uh, radiation was that it mm. was making micronuclei. So it was making like mini fragments or broken fragments of DNA. Like, uh, so someone was on cell phone, uh, was breaking DNA. Those DNA components would get loose when that cell would die. Uh, they wouldn't become absorbed by the body. They would become free floating and they would migrate to certain areas of the body and then become tumors themselves. Just from that fragment, a fragment, a particulate of DNA. So not a total blueprint. Uh, there's more going on uh, with our bodies than I, than we think we know. We're we're sort of in a dark age of medicine. It seems we've lost knowledge. Um, like Rife knew more than than what the modern medical establishment knows now, um, mm. right? And so, no, there's more to the story, um, and we definitely are seeing new pathogens being made simply by putting them in, in other life forms or putting them in bodies and our own blood cells are living. They, they pleomorph into bacteria forms under the right conditions. They have a 16 stage cycle and then they also create fungal forms. And what would be the trigger of these things? We have hardly studied it. We have hardly acknowledged it even exists. And so how are we going to answer these questions? There's so much more work to be done in this, you know. Why would blood have 16 different life forms? Why would, um, why would... Well, uh, so in, in the past, uh, so uh, Béchamp, Dr. Béchamp, um, there were, there, even Rife understood this. Rife knew that there were somatids in the blood, that there were micro, or I think he called them microzymas. They all kind of called them different names. Uh, but that the blood, the red blood cell itself, uh, has the ability to bud off life forms, our own microorganisms, uh, mm. when the terrain or the the um, the soup, if you will, of our body is um, called to action, is changed. The pH has changed. The terrain has altered. And they will create these. This it's a sixteen-stage cycle. That's um, you can study it. It's it's well documented. Um, Gaston Nason's uh, documented it very well. A French Canadian researcher who just recently died, actually, uh, and he was jailed for his work. I mean, he did amazing work. He created a microscope that could actually see these things because it's a certain type of UV light that you need in order to see their their. Uh, action 
And uh, Reif, he viewed it under his special microscope and his dark field microscopy as well, could see it. Uh, but there, it's fascinating, this cycle, and they bud off and they're all different shapes and sizes. So they can become large, it can be very small particles. Um, what people are calling viruses is the second state budding stage of this cycle. And they're not pathogenic, though. They're our own endemic uh, bacteria and fungal forms that are there for purpose. They're there to assist the bodily toxicity and to um, like deal with heavy metal burden, for example. Like that's what we see a lot of the candida uh, in the body. Because there's heavy metal, there's usually a lot of mercury when people have candida right and that these are actually helping us they're actually saving our lives by uh, sequestering off and and trying to actually metabolize uh, toxic materials on behalf of us but this is blood-borne and uh, so it's an important aspect to bring into the knowledge base because a lot of people um, may not know because it's not it's not popularized it's not a uh, accepted in the modern medical model they, they have adhered to the germ theory, and this is uh, called a somative theory or a terrain theory or the theory of pleomorphism, and it's a different line of study, right? So you're saying candida is necessary for health? Candida is, is endemic. It's of our own. It's born of our own blood, of our own bodies. It doesn't come from the mm. external. It comes from ourselves. When okay. under um, a high mercury load, generally, unless unless there's antibiotic use and your own microflora is um, wiped out, then sometimes you can see candida come out of uh, balance that way, where there's not necessarily always a heavy metal load. So there are conditions in which candida can blossom inappropriately. And that's usually one of them is when the antibiotics have been used and have knocked out the probiotics in the body or the the uh, microbes are natural microbes. Right. Wow. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's looking at things totally the other way around, isn't it? You're, it really so is. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. what, 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 what many people don't realize is um, viruses aren't actually alive. They think, well, you know, they're alive. They're sort of thinking textbook. Well, bacteria certainly are. Yeah. But um, viruses are, are is, they're basically just, information dna strands so what you say amanda does kind of it's not too far out from the the orthodox method of thinking where it's dna strands which are then coming together again it's not forming a life as such but it's forming a different entity mm, because i mean um researchers have created their own viruses it's not creating a life it's just creating combining different DNA strands of different patterns together and doing different functions. Yeah, so, what they're creating is really protein fragments. They're taking protein bits and encoding that and encoding those um, and trying to utilize aspects of the somatids to create actually monsters, to create things that are infective when really um, – What's happened is we've we when you look at it appropriately, you see that the the microorganisms that are present are bystanders, are the innocent bystanders. They've come in because you've called them in by the state of your body, 
um, if you're in a healthy state, there, there'll be no need for them and you won't find them there. Uh, see, the germ theory states uh, very specifically that things have to um, infect tissue, that they'll come in, so a germ will uh, come into your body and get past your defenses and cause a host of symptoms. And that, uh, that's across the board. So everybody would have that opportunity. But that's not what we're seeing in reality. Uh, when you take living tissue, when you do these tests to see if this is the case, and you do this in a living body, in living tissue, not dead tissue. Dead tissue, it will always infect. Living tissue, it won't. Living healthy tissue, normal tissue, it will not. It has to be dead or damaged in order for that to be the case. And that's a very important aspect to understand. And that's not um, delineated in the modern model. Uh, because in that model, what they've done is they've taken tissue out of living, they put it on a slide, they stained it, and then they go ahead and see if it's you know good and infect it, if it'll infect it. Or they've already poisoned or done something to an animal, for example, and injected it to see if they can create the same thing. And oftentimes they can't. Sometimes they can. But the symptoms are different. So that means it's creating a new or different disease. So it's not, it's not the same disease across the board. Um, and what is being created with the envelope to the protein envelope with the DNA or RNA inside, that's a stage of our own somatids that happens when DNA needs to be repaired. So the b bacteria will create these little tiny spores, the sporophytes, and those will be directed by the bacteria to the damaged tissue. And that will then inject its DNA into that tissue type to attempt to repair it. And that is what has been mistakenly called as virus, as a virus. Uh, but that is not in and of itself a, a living form for one and two. It uh, cannot be replicated outside of that situation. What they're replicating are maybe protein particles of that, so they can break it apart. But they're not, um, you know, they're not taking it like a bacteria and making it divide and so forth, that sort of thing. And there's a lot of flaws around that issue, around the issue of viruses. Um, you know, Dr. Stefan Lanka, I encourage people to go look at his work. He's a German biologist who proved in a court of law that the measles virus does not exist. It has never been isolated or photographed or properly measured. Um, and that goes for pretty much every virus you could name from Ebola to HIV. There's controversy. And uh, when you look at the testing and what they're doing and with the ELISA tests and with the uh, protein recombinant tests and so forth, what they're gathering are bits of DNA or uh, proteins or enzymes, and they're um, attempting to then label that as the disease. But um, they have not isolated the virus as per what would be um, determined to actually go ahead and, and be very sure of what they're talking about. And only a few specific people have access to electron microscopes as well. Um, and I've looked at electron microscope artifacts and depending on uh, if you had a coffee that morning or not, can look like a whole bunch of different things. And there's a lot of vested interests in science to prove certain things. Um, so especially in the HIV 
uh, conundrum. It's it's quite hot and heated in there with a couple of researchers that have, that have made some fraudulent claims. Um, mm. And there's a lot of politics. So really what's happened now is the politics has gotten involved and we're, we've lost the science around it um, because of that, because, because the politic doesn't want to change what it's doing, right? So, but there's a well, lot, there's lots of information out there on this topic, so. But how would your theory explain contagion, the spread? This is the thing, because HIV is, is without a doubt contagious. Um, everyone watching this video would have worked in an office or been in a room and someone sneezed in the next week, they all come down with the same condition. It's just yeah. too much of a... Well, for one, contagion is another discussion and contagion, there is contagion. Uh, so, for example, uh, if you have bacterial coming out of you, you have toxins coming off of you because when you're sick, you see, you have a subset of symptoms and the symptoms is the body detoxing something that has gotten in and irritated it, usually a foreign particle of some sort, a bacteria, fungus, mold, heavy metal, you name it, um, will get in and agitate or irritate. And it's a very similar system. So if it gets into the, the nasal cavities, you'll have a very similar set of symptoms. If it gets onto the, in through the skin, it's a very specific set of symptoms um, and through the digestive tract on and on, right? So you'll see similar patterns of that. And you can put people in uh, a room together and try to cross-contaminate them, especially if you have a room that has no air flow. Um, like the famous nurse Florence Nightingale, she identified that people would come into the hospital and they would be feverish. And then um, everyone in that space, there were already very low defenses and there was no airflow in the room. And then it would eventually turn into rheumatic fever. And so she was seeing a, a disease force that's supposed to be caused by some kind of germ morphing into other diseases as time passed based on the fact that there was no fresh air in the room and they were rebreathing all these toxins over and over again and their toxic load in their blood was was going up and she cured them by opening the window <laughs> basically that was her identification understanding and so how can a disease let's say is caused by a germ and we're calling it contagious and so forth how can that now uh, become all these other diseases based on the uh, fact that there's no airflow, right? The, the, the germ theory just doesn't hold water to that. Now, there does seem to be a sense of cross-contamination. So say I'm off-gassing something. Uh, could, be, uh, could be all kinds. I mean, ga literally gases coming out of my lungs. Uh, could be um, bodily um, fluids that are excreting certain aspects that can trigger another into their own detox, can stimulate their own defenses to say, yeah, you know what? We need a clean out too, let's go with this. Let's get this mucus moving, let's get this out. Uh, they would do, um, back in the day, they would take um, they would take pox material, like so people would have pussy expressions on the skin and they would take these mm. smallpox and they would um, do inoculations, which is different than a vaccine. Inoculation is just taking that pussy material and putting it underneath the skin. Um, and guess what? Some would react and some wouldn't um, because contagion 
isn't across the board. You still have to be susceptible. You have to be in a position in which you could be triggered into that disease force. And that's not the case with everyone. Uh, that's another fail for the germ theory is that it cannot be initiated in everyone. Uh, they have to actually be already somewhat susceptible in order for them to go through the healing expression uh, trigger. And so they were seeing that some would get the full-blown disease if they were to do that. They'd get it all over mm -hmm. their skin. Um, and some would get a little red bump and that would be it. And some would die <laughs> and some would get nothing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that was their attempt to sort of stimulate a defense. Mm. Well, that's explained in regular um, thinking, if you like, orthodox thinking with um, antibodies. If your body's already developed antibodies to a, a virus, if it's already been exposed, then the antibodies are being created by the body to fight that particular pathogen. Well, that's so the idea. I mean, that's, that's the thinking. That's the idea. But there's a lot of controversy even around that idea as well. And see, I'm the type of individual that I'm just not going to take some one or two theories and go, well, that's it. I mean, that's the way it is. I'm going to make sure because I know that our entire history has been rewritten by the victors. And I want to ensure that we're on the right path. And I'm a deep researcher and I'm a deep thinker. And I'm also very intuitive. And so I know when something's off. I know when something's not quite all there. Uh, the antibody aspect of this, uh, and even the whole idea of an immune system has all been fabricated uh, based on germ theory. And I don't really buy it quite all. I see that there are tags that will happen in the body to identify self from non-self. That's a, obviously the body wants to be able to know what is self and not self. Um, but there are memory cells that are, um, that are important in understanding how we will come back to an illness or not again. And it, the antibody aspect is here nor there because sometimes you can have antibodies presenting uh, that they um, will get the disease again. It doesn't have any bearing on it. Sometimes you'll get antibodies, um, um, you'll get no antibodies and they, they'll get the disease. It's, it's back and forth like um, we're seeing people getting um, measured like a titer, right? Saying, oh, well, if I have these antibodies, it means I'm protected. But then when they have the disease, they'll have the antibodies. So the question is, well, wait a second. Is it, did the antibodies there when I'm sick or are the antibodies there when I'm well and prevents me from getting sick? Because it can't be both, you see. It has to be mm. one or the other. And so you have an issue of a dichotomy in this system that's not lining up. You can't tell me that if I have antibodies in my system that I'm healthy and on the other side say, well, I have antibodies in my body and I'm now sick with the disease because they do it on the both sides, right? So there's a problem there that I haven't uh, quite finished that research on or quite identified, but there's a something smells in that department. So I'm, I have it earmarked. Um, I definitely haven't finished my deep research on the whole virus myth uh, there's a lot of different viruses I want to I, uh, go deeper into and understand the history and what's come of it. Uh, but one thing is for sure in my study of Louis Pasteur, my goodness, um, that the idea of virus came well before anybody could even fathom the concept of looking in any type of microscope uh, and that it was done for political reasons to 
um, you know, from the French to scare off the British so that people wouldn't accept them at port because they were told they had a horrible invisible disease and using viruses to scare populations into um, pushing agenda is very is used often and is very historical. So again, when you're when you're mixing medicine with politics, you have to be suspect and you want to ask deeper questions and keep asking until you're satisfied. So I'm really just in that still asking phase. I don't totally have all of the contagion quite understood. I know that there's also an idea of harmonic resonance issue, though a vibrational aspect where you'll have somebody who's sympathizing with another. And as, a, as an empathic healer, I'll tell you, I think I've carried, picked up so many diseases from people just by sympathizing with them. Um, and carried it in and not realizing it, you know? Uh, so there's other ways energetically to vibrationally pick up things uh, from people, you know? Well, in the Middle Ages, they used to uh, lobby over fortress walls, uh, corpses that are, that are plague-ridden, and that was quite an effective way. And in that instance, the people that are the happy recipients of the corpse, um, they don't... The only, the, only, the only change they can, the only thing they could have caused a change in the health is this corpse, is the disease that got thrown over the, over the fortress wall. And so disease must spread regardless of um, the emotional burden. There's no Wi-Fi in those days. There may have been some heavy metals. There were, even the Egyptians were, um, yeah. yeah. The Romans certainly were. But... Um, what, how would you explain that, where a, a body that was diseased was used as a weapon of war and uh, wiped out populations that are, you know, that are... Well, we, listen, we have to understand there's sanitation aspects that are for real, okay? You can't just uh, wipe your butt, your butt and uh, have a stool on your hands and walk around and touch everything. You can't... Uh, you can't not wash your hands and then cut open uh, a, a body to do surgery on them and, and you're going right. to get sepsis. There are, there are parts of the defenses in the body for a reason. There, yes. You want to make sure that you're not uh, getting a huge burden of somebody else's material inside of you because that's not self. So there's self and non-self, right? We know mm. that. We know that Lister understood that washing hands before surgery reduced, uh, you know, childbed fever and the, the deaths of these women that they were um, uh, doing C-sections on and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. We uh, there's basic sanitation. We know that if there's rats in the street and you're throwing your pee and your poo out the window and you don't have proper running water, we know that lots most of the diseases were happening because of sanitation issues. You can't have mm -hmm. fetid, rotting flesh and ex and 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 feces. And what's going to come of that? Well, you're going to have parasites there. You're going to have bacterial forms, all kinds. Going to, you name it, it's going to be there. And that's overwhelming to any one little body. You know, children, elderly, they would be most susceptible to that. So there's, it's not without common sense. We understand there has to be sanitation. What I'm talking about are these, uh, the idea of this airborne virus as a pathogen. I don't buy it and it doesn't hold water, and it doesn't seem to have the science behind it. Um, 
and it doesn't say there's not contagion. There's, there used to be much less contagion when you had basic sanitation practices, or if you look back in Chinese medicine, they didn't even have a word for contagion back then. That wasn't even really a consideration. So obviously they had their hygiene in just such a way that it wasn't even a thing for them. They didn't even have a word for it. it was, it's not even in their healing um, approaches, right? You just work on strengthening the body itself and you can throw all the corpses you want at someone who's strong and has strong nutrition um, or chi and, and strong chi, as they say, right? Then you can, you, your body can take a lot more foreign material without having to mount an expression because all of your organ systems are working appropriately and they're able to get it out through, you know, the liver or the kidneys or whatnot. But I find what's happened now, we're in a new world. We're in a disease, a very different set of diseases than ever before because mm. now we are faced with all these extra toxic burdens and our liver and kidneys are not functioning optimally and we have to push it out through the skin or we have to try, the body's trying to use the lungs to get things out. We're seeing our asthma rates go through the roof. You know, we're seeing all these kinds of new cancers and so forth because the body is unable to excrete or to express that material right mm -hmm. um so that's that's a whole different problem than you know back in the day of course in war-torn situations you're not going to have proper nutrition i would imagine uh you're going to um, be very stressed obviously as well and those mm -hmm. are all things that make you susceptible to uh disease um doesn't take much poison to poison from a fetid corpse to to you know make you ill that kind of thing, right? But is it from some sort of named organism per se? Uh, unsure, because some of the history I'm, I'm reading is, is questioning other motives, like uh, uh, some of the plague, that uh, the Black Plague was, um, it was said that they were poisoning a well, that there was actually arsenic or some other poison that in a war situation, and it was called that, to uh, in, elicit more fear and again as a measure of control so is that the true history right we have to question that too but it, i mean yes yeah, so we our common sense is here with us you know we understand that we wash our hands after we go to the washroom and so forth and that's important mm -hmm. right yeah i guess if it was arsenic in the well water everyone would have succumbed but it wasn't the whole population it was generally the older and the weaker that succumbed yeah, I think I'm not, uh, don't quote me on the arsenic. I don't remember which particular, what was done to the wells, um, but a lot of people did die, obviously. Um, and again, if you didn't drink from that well, or you, you know, you um, were strong enough already to overcome it, or you vomited enough, then you'd survive. You know, it could have been, I mean, there's, there are um, fomites in the rats, like there are animals that carry pestilence, they do hand it off through the, uh, the lice or the fleas, you know, that can come and, and be bitten. And there's mites as well that isn't discussed. There's all kinds of um, different types of pests that can cause problems. And if you okay. again, if you've been bitten one too many times, then that can affect the blood and that can cause um, inflammation. And then you're going to have expression of symptoms, which is the body tr actually healing. That's what the symptoms are, is the body healing itself. Okay. So to summarize what we've covered to now and really this, the topic of this webinar today, um, parasites are like an opportunist uh, species. 
they're coming in while the body's fighting or uh, the, the defences are low, lowered and they're just taking a meal while they can. Is that really your understanding? Yeah, for the most part, yes. I'm sure there are, um, uh, there, there are other um, worms and whatnot that uh, are maybe more interested in just a warm body here and there. But for the most part, okay. what, I'm, what I'm seeing is that the defenses already have to be down or low. And why we're seeing more and more infection is because of this issue, because we've already increased the body burden of toxic metals and so forth. We have a stressed lifestyle. We don't have the, enough nutrition to keep up with it. Uh, things are breaking down, tissue breaks down. And um, you'll these critters, they are there on the lower life form level to break down things uh, that are our wastes, basically. And when we're full of waste, then they're going to want to do their job. They're simply trying to do their job. And we know that um, parasites will be full of those toxic materials like heavy metals and so forth. And Dr. Klinghardt, he talks about removing these without bursting them so that you don't now reabsorb all the toxins again that they've absorbed from you. Uh, that it's important in, in when you're doing parasite cleanses to not um, kill them, essentially, to do them, to eradicate them in a living sense. Because of that, that's, uh, that's studied, well studied. Now, one thing that's um, epidemic at the moment is Lyme disease. Um, the general consensus, consensus is that you get Lyme disease from bites from ticks or possibly fleas or even mosquitoes now discovered the um the virus and the mosquitoes um why is this becoming more prevalent now why is it a modern disease because i don't believe that lyme has been around for too long yeah what, i think what, all these diseases are quite more modern uh and it's it's um it's a nematode problem it's a true parasite that's causing it it's a trematode it's not a okay. there's not a virus causing it um and it is coming through multiple organisms or it is seemingly uh, expressing itself or showing the symptoms in the similar manner. It might not be the same organism, but it might be expressing in a similar manner, which also goes to show there's something else coming or uh, happening in our blood or in our body that uh, when the, there is specific trauma happening, you'll see it express the Lyme expressed differently in different people, different parts of the body based on that. Sometimes it's uh, arthritic Lyme. Sometimes it's uh, very dangerous in the heart. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be different depending on that individual, how it's presented. We're talking chronic Lyme. We're not talking the, uh, you know, your classic uh, bullseye lesion and, and, and mm. the associated symptoms. It's, it's longstanding. Uh, we're seeing this uh, from what I can tell because a we're um, the elite are messing around with our earth they're they're damaging our weather they're using geoengineering to create weather warfare uh, and to sequester water for their own uses or to move their agenda 21 forward by creating fires and so forth uh, to make masses of people move out of areas that they want to have take the land over. Uh, and that's causing a lot of chaos within our microorganism structure, like the structure of where mosquitoes live and how they die in their cycles. Uh, ticks, there's more ticks 
uh, they're um, are living longer, they're spreading, their area spreading, uh, uh, damaging the marsupials that ingest the ticks, that eat the ticks, uh, right? We're messing around with our biodiversity on quite a large scale. I think we're seeing more of it from that alone. Uh, and then there's something more to it where our defenses are so damaged. Like when I take a Lyme case and I look at the history, they're all very vaccine damaged. Uh, they have a long course of history, use of antibiotics. So um, they, ha they have damaged microflora themselves. And I see this pattern emerge. And because we're, we're vaccinating at such a humongous rate uh, ever more, and the very uh, lackadaisical use of antibiotics for you know a tickle in the throat kind of thing has really gotten us into quite a situation where these individuals have very low defenses. Uh, they're very susceptible to the chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia picture, to um, mold toxicity, to parasite uh, issues, and often they have many co-infections at the same time as the Lyme. Uh, I, I, it's a definite multiple phase um, issue that's gone on to create more of these cases. Okay. So you'd still use the term infection though. Like it, it's not just the body expelling poisons. It's, it's, a, it's a life force that's inside you. So you do call it, you would call it an infection. Well, it's challenging to, I find it's challenging to, I, it's almost like we have to make a new language in order to uh, convey what we're trying to experience in our in our communication and uh i you know i fell for it too and i use those words uh, you yeah. know a lot but what i mean what i mean by infection when i say that is that the tissue is so far damaged that now you have all kinds of your own somatids infected becoming pathogenic becoming uh types of bacteria that will ingest and eat that tissue or digest and process that toxin. And it is what I would call an infection because obviously those microorganisms, they also make their own waste materials and that can cause all kinds of symptoms. That's mostly what we're seeing in symptoms are the waste materials of these critters um, inside of our bodies. And that uh, the more we can clean that up, the less symptoms are seen. Um, and that more so that's what I'm referring to okay. by that word. And I, thought I, I thought I'd ask because I didn't quite understand. There's something else which I don't understand. Um, now, our antibody, this is, um, again, what we've been taught at schools. Mm -hmm. Our bodies have been, uh, the antibodies in our bodies, um, they target non-self proteins, foreign particles in your body. Now, if the, if the bacteria are different stages of, of self, the different morph, uh, morphisms of uh, self cells, then how does your body, body's own defense mechanism, fight? Exactly. Exactly. But exactly. That's the question, right? So that's the mm. logic, right? I mean, you just said it right there. Exactly. How could it? Why would it? Why would it even, in any way, it's your own self? So why would it create an antibody against its own self? The only, that's why we're misunderstanding what's happening. It would create a tag if it required to identify something that later it needed to phagocytose or the macrophage needed to 
you know, it, it has a life cycle that still has to be under control. You don't want it to go um, and live forever in that state. Now it can change back. So maybe the tag triggers it to change back into its other morphology could be that. But again, it hasn't been properly studied enough to even answer a lot of these very important questions. And uh, like, I wish I could have met Gaston Nasons and had a chat with him because he might've been able to answer some of this stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, but yeah, very excellent question. Now, if it comes from the external, so say you kiss someone and their bacteria, you know, combines with yours. Now you have non-self of their somatids or their bacteria or wherever they're at in your uh, saliva, then the enzymes will go after that and we'll take care of that because it's not meant to be there. It's not self, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think the antibody system makes sense for this, but as far as protecting us from uh, long-standing illness, those are memory B cells that really do that, that uh, uh, take, take stock of what you've experienced and then would stimulate the uh, the you know the thymus and so forth to create what's required if there was another um experience of it if there was another um aspect where the body was had that foreign particle inside of it but even things like h pylori h pylori is endemic to the body but what ends up happening is sometimes it gets into the wrong body part so h pylori is supposed to be in the lung tissue but if it gets into the gut that's mm not appropriate where it's the location right and then the mm. body has a problem and it has to deal with that uh, so there's also a low issue of location of where these microorganisms were meant to be in the body um, yeah it's quite a complex um, topic fascinating topic I hope one day to write a few books on that because I'm quite I find it quite fascinating yeah well it's quite it's quite a different take it's it's totally out the ball the totally, you know, the, the things, the the um, the ideas that you're, you know, you're, you're expressing now is really a curveball, really. I guess one could say, um, it's all it's in the face of what we've been taught for so many years. I'm just thinking, like you're saying, you said at the start of this webinar that 50% of people succumb to cancer. Was that what you stated? That's the approximate, um, yeah. Approximately, and there's no doubt that uh, the rate of cancer is increasing, um, I guess due to all the nasties that are taking place now, including the heavy metals that are put into our bodies and the Wi-Fi and everything. What about like a thousand years ago? There wasn't much Wi-Fi back then and or other sort of signals. I guess there would have been a natural radio source from the sun so that may explain why there was still cancers around then. But um, certainly nothing like how it is now. Um, so you, um, at, at, at this point in time, people will be asking, well, what can they do to combat what's around them? What can they do to help their body um, ward off the nasties or stop in, in your line of in your theories or stop your body cells from averting from one one type to another um how can how can one remedy well that's that's the million dollar question right because we didn't have cancer back then cancer is a man-made disease we've created it 
and and so that we can be more empowered in the sense that we've since we've created it we should be able to get rid of it <laughs> uh, but the most important thing and from my experience of assisting people in healing cancer over the years is that uh, for one the last thing you want to do with uh, a bodily mechanism that is trying to continue to keep your body alive is to tell it it can't do that anymore by means of radiation or chemotherapy, uh, even surgery, to go in and to then tell it, no, you can't be here anymore. Because what ends up happening when you go ahead and do that is you're already adding more toxic burden to the body which is already dealing with way too much toxic burden and you're at the same time eradicating the mechanism in which the body is working to keep you alive and it will end up suppressing the tumor. I had a case and he's, he's dying now actually. He, he came to see me and we were working really well together and he had a very large tumor on his neck. Um, and it was starting to drain and his vitality was coming up and we were detoxing him and we were upping his nutrition and we were chelating out heavy metals and he was doing great. And we worked a couple months and then all of a sudden he just stopped coming and I found out that he was pressured by the doctors and so forth to do chemo and radiation and uh, he was, it was inoperable anyway. And uh, so he just abandoned treatment out of fear um and did those treatments and the the tumor went away it disappeared so it, it's like magic right oh it's magical because it's gone but it's like the ether behind us just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there guys and so it suppressed it went into his body and i i, I shuddered when i found out i was upset because i knew this was it for him now because he wasn't able because the whole point to healing is to actually express it and get it out. And we were going to do the black salve next and help the tumor actually push all the way out of the body. Um, and it's an iscariotic and it will open up the, the skin and it will push and sort of like it, in the capsule, push it out and then the skin heals mm -hmm. over after. Um, so it's helping the body express it all the way out. And uh, that was gearing up for that. <clears throat> And instead, uh, now he's, it's full blown in his body. He's uh, got it all through his lungs. He's got it all through his, probably his brain now. And they've given him three to six months to live. And this is the, this is the thing. And I, I warned him and I really tried, but there's a psychology that's the most difficult part of treating all illness. It's the psyche aspect, the fear aspect. People are so afraid of doing something that's it does take bravery in order to heal holistically. You have to face your inner demons. You have to do work. You have to actually heal and, and change your lifestyle and change your ways, right? That the ways that got you sick are not the ways that are going to get you well, you see. But these mm -hmm. then if you go that way, it's it's you might get maybe a small amount of time out of the suppression before the body can no longer handle that toxic burden. And that's, that's a death sentence again and again, and again, I've seen it so many times and it just is sad for me to watch. But then I have, on the other hand, I have the success stories when people actually take the focused energy to change their entire lifestyle, to make it their empowerment, to make their disease, their transformation. 
and to uh, employ things like um, apricot seed kernels, the laetrile is one, vitamin B17 it's also called, uh, to use DMSO. Uh, DMSO will help chelate heavy metals and get those out of the body. Um, to do juicing or juice fasting even, where you filter the juice um, so there's no, uh, there's no digestion happening at all. You're resting the digestive organs and you're doing like eight pure vegetable juices per day. Coffee enemas where you're increasing the glutathione, which is your master antioxidant uh, in your body by 700% every time you do a coffee enema and cleaning out all of that debris and any parasite that's hiding in there. Um, when you employ things like even shark cartilage has been known to stop the angiogenesis of a tumor, stops the blood flow to the tumor. So you, if you've got, see if you're later stages, you've got to employ some of these things. If you're early stages, Cleaning up and detoxing is usually enough to make it dissolve and off it goes. But if it's now, remember, like, got a life of its own, there's mm -hmm. a bit of a different approach you got to go toward at that stage. Yeah. So are you going to say something? Oh, no, that's just agreeing. It's making sense. It's, it's cleaning the terrain. Making, I mean, your body doesn't like to be sick. It wants to heal. But it needs yeah. energy and it needs to have the nutrients to do so. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's actually extremely logical, especially when you understand the physiology of the body, where it seems a lot of the medical profession has forgotten that, like basic physiology, like the fact that your organ systems run on nutrients. <laughs> Those are the cofactors that make the cells actually work and mm -hmm. that feed the cells and rebuild tissues. And they're all cofactors and and the vitamins and the minerals and that they're essential to all life uh mm. that if you if you make sure that that's in there you're that's half the battle and the rest is identifying identifying the uh the toxin and 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 so chelating so if specifically if it's an arsenic poisoning or a mercury poisoning then you want to identify and chelate that out i like to use homeopathics to to do that, to chelate that out and grab that mm -hmm. out. I like to use a lot of the clays, like the, the uh, bentonite zeolite clays will get mm -hmm. a lot of the aluminum out of the body. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously the spooky two machine is marvelous. I mean, and it's affordable. I mean, everybody could even just buy one and mm -hmm. use it on themselves uh, while they're sleeping. Although I found when I was, when I would be on the machine, I could hear that. I can hear, I could hear even at a distance sending me those frequencies i couldn't sleep all the time on the higher <laughs> frequencies this is like you know right in your head <laughs> which is yeah. not, not something like just think about that a machine a machine that's over was over in bob cajun which is a 40 minute drive from here has my mm. fingernail clipping and it's sending a pulse to me over here in minden and mm. i'm hearing it and I can corroborate that what's being sent because I can call and say, what the heck are you sending me right now? Right? That's amazing. Like people don't mm. even have a clue that that is even, you know, a reality. Right? Mm. But that's it. I know you're, that the Spooky 2 has detox protocols. Like you could, do, you know, put, go on a detox protocol with the Spooky 2. You could identify, you know, a specific um, parasite or, you know, and go after it like that. There's, there's mm. the, the crazy thing is that there are so many ways to go about doing it. There's so many ways you can actually do this. 
And what does the modern medical uh, mafia, if you will, offer? Chemo, radiation, surgery, and a couple of drugs? Like, that's all you got for me? You know? Like, look at all this plethora of options we have that they don't even want to talk about or even acknowledge, right? But they're going to have to because there's too much of it now. And there's too many people that are wanting alternatives to this, right? You know, when you're watching cattle getting onto a truck and they go through a dip and they get their heads dipped down and then they go into the truck. That's kind of like how people are with doctors. They see the doctors for 15 minutes to get their head ducked down and then they, they go on the merry way and they won't get their head ducked for another six months or a year. Yeah. And the ideal would be to have a doctor by your side all the time giving the right advice. And everyone has, it's themselves. And so experts like yourself, um, all they have to do is listen take on board what you and others are saying and make the right choices for themselves because they're always with themselves 24 seven and they know how they're feeling inside. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really up to them to find, to dig a little bit deeper, find the real truth, find the real cause, look at the whole issue holistically and then apply what they've learned. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's empowerment. Really it's empowerment, right? That's yeah, the point. I, I think yeah. the gift in it, if it's meant to be found would be in self empowerment to say that I can be become my own physician and mm. I can um, take matters into my own hands mm. and I can uh, through the transformation of my own life can have new life. I can be reborn through this experience. Mm. And mm. some people um, believe it or not, even if they don't um, achieve the, the healing, like, meaning they still have the cancer and they might even still perish from the cancer. They'll get a lot of life out of that. And they, there's a spiritual transformation that is just so invaluable. We forget about the soul. We forget about there's more than just flesh and blood happening. Right. And mm -hmm. that there, there's aspects of forgiveness they go through and rectification with loved ones and like, like re reunion and all of these kinds of things that can happen as they transform through through the healing. And, and again, like back to German New Medicine, this was born, you can trace all cancers back to some sort of trauma, some sort of um, uh, emotional or psych psychological aspect that has not been completed within them. And they've manifested it physically. And you could even say that be, that the way the psyche works is like you even attract your yourself to the wrong foods or to the, the heavy metals or to the situation that even pulls that into your life to manifest that creation within you based on your inability to complete whatever that psychological aspect or emotional aspect was. That it's God. a very long uh, lineage from beginning to, to end. And that actually the phase in which the uh, tumor forms is usually the healing phase or the rectification of that. That's actually uh, something to almost congratulate someone on that they've come past that first initial damaged phase. Like um, I, uh, what I realized about glioblastoma, that it's not cancer, that the glial cells are, have uh, come in to heal the brain tissue, just like the innocent bystander that's the germ, right? We're blaming the germ that causing the disease just because it's happened to be standing around. 
Mm. It's the same thing with the glial cells in glioblastoma, that they're coming in as structure, as scaffolding, to then repair the damage to the psyche, to the brain. In this case, the, the brain is the organ of injury. And mm. that now we're going after the glioma because it, it's a problem when really the problem is the fact that they're not, um, their nutrition's not high enough to actually mount the healing that's required. So if you increase the nutrition and make sure that the kidneys and the liver are draining properly, it will self-resolve. It will self-resolve. It will finish its job of what it was doing. But that that's actually at the healing resolution phase of the whole trauma that they may have gone 20, 30 years through this whole thing. And now they've arrived. And it's like, throw a party at that point almost. Like that's what I was laughing about. Cause I'm like, wow. And then we go in and we start to say, it's bad. It's bad. It's wrong. No, like you can't have this. This is, we have to cut you open. Like I have a patient now and they've cut his glioblastoma and they've cut his head open three surgeries for what now he's like, uh, he can't walk properly on the opposite side. There's all muscle weakness from that. They've done chemo radiation to no avail. Now what? Now we have to start from scratch. Basically we have to clean him up from all the stuff that they've done to him. And now we have to let the body actually finish what it was trying to do. We have to actually let that glial cells, those glial cells grow back and hope that it's going to heal the, t the brain tissue like it was trying to do, you see? So if they just changed, if the approach just shifted to supporting what was being done by nature, rather than judging it as pathology all the time, that it's wrong and it's not allowed to and meddling with it, our outcomes would you know, of health would skyrocket. We would, we would achieve, we would overcome it. People would live, right? Mm -hmm. And instead, they're just dying like flies. They're dropping like flies. They're not, there's no survival rate from this. Mm. When you look at the statistics, they're not, they're not, oh, so glad I did that chemo and radiation as they speak up from the grave. You know, it's not like <laughs> we're not seeing them last very long. You'll get the occasional very strong individual who can mm. overcome the healing phase that they were initially in and the chemo radiation poisons. There are the occasional one they can, overcome it but that wasn't what healed them they were able to complete their healing cycle so so yeah when you go in and you add the nutrition and help the body drain the, the toxic material that's ideally the goal while you're addressing the emotional undercurrent and the remainder of the psychological aspect that's happened there you get success again and again. I'm a testament to it. I'm not the only healer that's assisted people through this. There are many others who have testimony who have seen this, wit you know, witnessed this, exp you know, in others. And uh, okay. it doesn't always, you know, it's always, um, it's a art. Healing is an art and a science. It's individual medicine. And ideally you want to approach it in that way, that individualized uh, manner like i have lots of different protocols there are many things that heal cancer you'll see oh cannabis heals cancer you'll you'll see oh it's um the budwig diet heals cancer the gerson diet heals cancer you know the hoxy formula heals cancer you know the the renee case uh formula heals cancer and you can go yeah they all do uh they all can 
but it's all again depending on that individual approach and if you're going to go one way you stick with it you just stick with what you're doing and there's different affiliations like for example the glioblastoma definitely is a good cannabis um, case because it has an affinity cannabis has an affinity for the neurological tissue so that's a good one right but I mm. wouldn't go ahead and do that for leukemia necessarily or uh, uh, pancreatic cancer unless you're just just dealing with pain the the cannabinoids don't affect it the exact same way because it's all the botanical has a different tissue affinity right so you mm. want to pick the right tool for the job and okay. the, the more you do that the more success you get Okay, that's a, um, a quick question from Barb Cole. Uh, Barb is asking, what are the differences between basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma? If okay, just... sure, I'll answer that. Um, there, the way that the nomenclature works for cancer is based on skin cells, or like in this case with skin cells, um, or the cell type. So the histology is the description of the cell type. So it just is talking about that. So a squamous cell is a is the shape, actually. It's describing the nomenclature of the shape of the cell. It's a flat cell, squamous. It's flat. And that is in the outer part of the epidermis of the skin. And that's the ones that are constantly shed, you know, like the, when you exfoliate. <laughs> I hope you exfoliate. I know I do. <laughs> uh, so when you exfoliate, it's the squamous cells that are coming off, right? So it's cancer of that cell type. Um, okay, so then a basal cell that's in a, the lower part of the epidermis, and that's called the basal cell layer. And the, these are very constantly dividing cells. Um, they do wear off eventually. They move up the epidermis. They'll get flatter, and they become squamous cells. Okay, but so it's just describing the cell type and where it is. Like it's really, you could call it. The, whatever cancer name you wanted, but because we're, we really like our names and we like our categories and we're very organized as human beings, this is how we do it, right? And then you get um, the melanocytes, right? And that's in the melanin, that's the brown pigment, right? So that's like your body's natural sunscreen. And so that can get, you know, uh, cancer of that cell type. So I hope that's answering it for her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> That that that, that, uh, that does answer it. Thank you so much, Amanda, for the time. Like it's the the, the, the um your your take on things is really, as I say, very different to uh, regular, you know, thinking. And I'm going to walk away thinking, hmm, you know, there's there's a lot I've got to I've got to sort of take on, and you know, it's it might be even like a, a mid ground between the two lines of thought. But what you've done is sort of given a very strong um, argument for look you know for looking at disease in a different way completely okay. so thank you so much for that you've, you've planted a very a very strong seed of thought in my mind i'm sure you've um made many other people think well you know she might have a point there you know she might there might be something there and hopefully they'll read more books speaking of which i'll be looking forward to when you release your books so um do you know when, when, I get to, when I can get to sit down for a long period of time and actually pull it all together. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I don't know. I do have a bunch. Um, I have the cracking the cult code. That's all in, 
it's mostly written, but I want to, um, I have to go back and sort of beef that up. And then the 30 days to better health is all written. It just has to be structured properly. And uh, again, I want to add more. The problem is I I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> it's, it's a good and bad problem to have, but uh, so you keep going back to it and refining things and so forth. And, and then I get uh, pulled away to other projects. Like I'm, I'm writing a paper, um, that is refuting SB 277 or 220, I think it's 277, the House resolution, again, oh. on vaccines, right? So I'm refuting all of that. So I have that project as well for writing that I have to do. So, but uh, definitely I keep picking away at it and I make, you know, I make natural products um, and that keeps me pretty, pretty occupied as well. But uh Yep, certainly at some point. Maybe there'll be more wrinkles when they're done. But, uh, <laughs> but, some, but, but you've got a title for your book, 30 Days to Better Health. Is that the fi final that's title? One of them. Yeah, I, I think oh. so. Yeah, because I've run it a few times on Facebook as an actual um, event, if you will, where people um, take a health challenge each day to alter their own lifestyle because you've got to try to make it fun. If you're going to be changing your lifestyle into a healthier lifestyle. It's a lot of work and it can be very overwhelming for people. And um, it's my attempt to help their transformation. Like they could even do one day, one, one of the days a week, even if it was too much, you know, but at least they're working on incorporating new things into their lifestyle and also eradicating um, damaging things out of their lifestyle. So that's my um, attempt to help them not be so overwhelmed. <laughs> good, good. Well, 30 Days to Better Health. It's a catchy title because 30 days isn't that long. And so it's not, it's not giving the impression it's, it's overwhelming. It's something that can be applied. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yes. It's so I'll, <laughs> so I'll, I'll look forward to that book. Well, thank you very much, Amanda. Everyone, this is Amanda Volmer. She's, um, she's taught us a lot this, this Sabbath. And um, I thank you very much for, for coming on to our webinar. Thank you, John. Thank you, I very much appreciate the time to, to share with you. Thank you. And th thank you, viewers, for, for tuning in and watching. Okay, goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. You, um, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for um, sticking to the subject. Because, I mean, there's some things that we kind of skipped on. It's okay. Like, but but I know you feel you've got some very strong views, and I admire you for them. Um, a lot of a lot of views, um, it's hard for people to accept, and if they get everything in a, in a single whammy, it can put people off. I know. But, um, but it is true that a lot of things are happening now which aren't right and need to be corrected, and they so they need strong people to lead the way. Yeah, and and so people like yourself to sort of say, well, this is this is you know what is happening. Open your eyes and, and you know <laughs> do something about it. And um, you know that's it's very, I admire what you're doing. Um, I don't agree with everything that you say, but maybe that's because of my lack of education, <laughs> <laughs> or my or my or the education I have has been has been flawed in, in ways. And I, I know that a lot of it has, you know, with. On the religion side, you know, gosh, some of the things that I was taught has been gospel, and then, uh, 
Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, and, and then you, and you, think, you think, well, why were these stories developed? And then you look even further and you do the, the real research and then you realize, well, a lot of it really is human made. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, stories which are created to suit a goal, you know, manipulation. Yeah. And so it's not just now, it's not a modern thing, Amanda, you know, mm -hmm. um, you're talking about you know, drug mafia. It's, it's not just that. It's bigger than that. It's just bigger. greed. Yeah. It's, it is bigger. Yeah, it is. But we do what we do, right? We do our best and everyone has their, um, their mission here, you know, and that's, we just get up, at least for me, I just get up every day and continue on with the mission, right? The purpose, uh, why well, I'm here. So. We're not, we're not surrounded by pure evil. You know, there's a lot of terrific good around us. And this is what keeps me going. You know, I'm drawing good people in to sort of, help out with um sort of um educating people to take up to their own health mm -hmm. and um yeah there's a lot of really good people so so don't get don't get on you know don't don't start thinking oh you know there's the whole country's against us the whole government's <laughs> against us governments are doing research they're doing they're they're making malaria mosquitoes infertile so they can't multiply and they're doing some things which are really really good um, it's just that not, not, not every egg is good. There are a few bad ones out there. Mm. So, um, it only yeah. takes a handful at the top is the problem that dictates down. That's, that's where we need to focus on the, the few thousand that are doing that. So it's only like a 1%. Yeah. 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 There's some good books. If you want, if you're interested in, uh, understanding, uh, some of it, there's, um, there's one called uh, Béchamp or Pasteur, the, a lost chapter in the history of biology, and that's by Ethel Douglas Hume. Um, excellent read. And there's another one um, by R.B. Pearson, and it's a Pasteur Plagiarist Imposter, The Germ Theory Exploded. Those two books are invaluable. They were written in like the early, like 1923, and 1942 respectively and uh they're they expose what was really going on also with the politics uh mm. and and who you know who this individual was um and the, and all the animosity and the um conflict with science at that time it was a very long like a 40-year uh discourse between the germ theory and the terrain theory um and uh you know it it's very fact-based it's all uh backed up information um mm. and anyway that those two books are will really help you like with the understanding you know of where they're coming from where it's coming from why the germ theory doesn't hold water and why it got into the popular culture were they the two books that really swung your opinion in the beginning uh that in another book uh which is the uh, I read all the lost paper, all the um, lab notes of Louis Pasteur. That really did <laughs> reading his second, not his, not the lab notes that were published, the lab notes that his hidden ones, his personal ones that only <laughs> got exposed later. Then you saw the real man. Then you saw what he was really doing with science. That was eye opening. So that the, really those three together was like, wow. But the, I already knew something was wrong many years before 
And uh, I already knew also German New Medicine and German New Medicine is a very different approach. So it's, uh, I, I, it made more sense to me and not, you know, having a German background as well. I just, it just, I just, I got understood it and also being very empathic and sensitive. And especially after my Kundalini awakening, after that, I could see auras and I could, you know, see chakras and I could, I understood there are all these other um, dimensions and, you know, got real freaky there during my awakening. That really opened my mind that there's more going on here and that pretty much everything that's going on is a lie and we have to just flip it upside down and you're going to be closer to the truth. (laughs) And so I learned to then question everything. So I all the way, like I'm very science trained. I mean, I had, I went to, high school until like many extra years because I switched my major from art to science. So I went to high school even like extra, extra, extra years. And then, um, and then there was university back to back and then I did traveling and had my awakening. And then I had four years of naturopathic college. Right. And I, you know, I trained in IV therapy, I trained in all the kinesiology, I mean, all that extra stuff. And it was like, but I always read, I always was seeking. I was always very spiritual. I was always like, more like through like through this dimension like there's more to this what is all this this doesn't make sense and and then I learned to even question all naturopathic stuff because there a lot of naturopathic stuff is also very allopathic just greenwashed allopathic right it's still treating the the body like just some sort of machine or treating Mm -hmm. it like across the board right and missing the individualized holistic aspect um and so like I had to requite, I had to relearn, I had to unlearn and then relearn again by my own hand. So, mm. you know, it's, um, I, I just, I think the German new medicine aspect, the understanding that there's more to it than just like the physical and all that. I think it just all combined, but I like the physical stuff too. Like I'm studying blood chemistry, a blood chemistry course right now because I'm fascinated by blood because now I understand that we have the microzyma I want to know what's going on at the blood level. That's really key. Like I think to disease is how the blood is working, flowing, what the state of it is um, that dictates how the body expresses and all of this stuff. So I'm going, I'm pairing it right back to like nerdville, you know, total nerd. It's a total geek, geek ass course, like all the way because I, that's my thing where I'm both, I, I'm really down to the nitty gritty nerdy stuff and the science and I'm bringing it into the, like the spiritual and the, the German new medicine and the terrain and all this stuff. Right. And I'm, so I'm trying to bridge the worlds, you know, and that's, it's hard to do because you gotta, gotta be able to relate some things that seem very different. Right. That was always my gift is being, being able to make connections between a and Z, not a and B a and z and and weave that through so that someone could relate to that and that's the same thing happening here so they can relate to you know the physiology and the and the biochemistry and then the energetics you can make those links that make sense and i think that's why i had to go through all of these different layers of learning <laughs> the way i did <laughs> but it's fascinating it's fascinating we should have been discussing this at the start of the webinar. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's so. Nice the way, after I hit the stop button, it always gets better after that. Always gets better. Say, I know. <laughs> uh, because you're warmed up is why. Yeah. 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 yeah.
but uh you know this yeah i i i started off actually more energetic medicine than anything else you know my first favorite was color therapy that was the very first well plants were always plants were always from a little girl mm. but i mean like when i started getting into modalities and stuff right was this yeah. guy taking frames of of like colored see-through you know the, the what is that flimsy paper stuff that you put it behind a light box and sure. blasting light colored light onto people and then using mm. radionics to find the right frequency of the color to use to apply it to the body and healing people with it mm. i was like what the hell that is freaky what what do you mean like i gotta know more like what why how why does that work how would that work what are we talking about here but really that's frequency i mean right, that's right. yeah mm. And so he's applying a frequency of color to the body to get a healing result. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but I was well, like, what? Sorry. I was just saying frequencies. When I, when I hear, or when, you know, if I read um, someone debunking Royal Rife, sometimes it makes me laugh because how on earth can shaking something quickly not cause damage? Like, right. Really? Like, you know, you hold a cup of water and what happens when you go like this? <laughs> like, it's this is true. crazy. It's true. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, even the, the creating remedies, like with frequency, people can't seem to gather that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can take water, put a frequency and it will hold that. And then you can take that medicine. Like, what did Hulda Clark, she did something cool. She it wasn't homeopathy. It was different. It was called like, homeo something else where the, she would take the zapper I think or something like it and mm -hmm. she would imprint um like your she would imprint like liver uh, liver enzyme something you needed onto mm -hmm. the water and then you would drink mm -hmm. it and it would amplify that so it's an amplifier so you wouldn't want to do it to parasite because you'd amplify the parasites right but you would do it for like organ systems specifically a, par a parasite don't have livers so <laughs> sorry sorry what is this little mini, little mini liver. Oh, little livers i'm sorry you're right of course they do the mini ones oh my god yeah. the worms though when i was studying the parasites uh, that is stuff of nightmares that is the most disgusting and that most people have these things in them oh my yeah. god like the guy who came to me with uh i don't know if i told the story with the resection the colon uh, resection and he had yeah. like 25 years of gut pain, like bloating, gut pain, always problems digesting, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. and that just cut out part of his bowel, didn't help, blah, 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 goes on with his life. And then I said, well, it sounds like you got parasites. Where have you been tested for parasites? And well, I'm like, we'll do a couple of coffee enemas. Here's some other enemas mm -hmm. you can try, mm -hmm. whatever, right? And after he does two coffee enemas and a soap enema, like just a pure soap. After the mm -hmm. soap enema, the toilet is full of flukes. Like all of flukes i've never heard of a soap emina yeah using um i think you use castile soap <laughs> okay you can pretty much put anything up there you want i mean so the castile soap that's a, is it a liquid is it a liquid soap or is it a soap yeah bar? yeah, yeah a but i mean you, there's ones where you can take like a bar of soap and you shave it into the water and mm. make a whole but oh, okay. the ones I the ones that work for parasites is um, Dr. Klinghart said what you do is you take milk, so you warm up milk, 
you salt the milk and then you do that a retention enema of two hours with the milk and the salt and what it does is the the parasites like the milk so they come toward the milk they they drink it and it's too salty and it makes them really weak and sick and then they come out of you alive like so you don't burst them open right so because that's the goal you don't want to burst them and you do that a couple times and then you follow that up with a uh, eucalyptus enema you do eucalyptus oil and eucalyptus leaves that you've infused in water and then you strain that off and you put it in the enema bag and go to town and he said when you do that they run from every orifice they will come out of your nose ears eyes mouth every hole it can get out of they will run can you imagine you're like at dinner you just finished your uh your uh, enema your eucalyptus enema and you just you're like what's there what's there? Something at your nose, there, dear. <laughs> Big old worm comes out of your nose. Oh my god! But that's the thing is happening. So, well, what you what you're describing, the thing, the methods that you're doing aren't that complicated. They're not expensive. I wonder if it can be done as a matter of course. Just uh, if you're suspicious that you've got a burden. Oh, I think uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be doing it regularly. I always saying to a girl, she's like, "Yeah, I do a parasite cleanse every year." I'm like, "I think we should just always be doing parasite cleanses." That's just kind of where I'm at now. The research I've done, I'm like, everyone's uh, yeah. everyone's suspect now. So like, yeah. you know, everyone's got heavy metals. Period. Like so, right? If they've all got heavy metals, they're all going to get something. It's either going to be candida or Lyme or mm. worms or mm whatever and like so just do it as a matter of of course of, of of you know regular right i like the zeolite's a big one the zeolite and uh alpha lipoic acid's really helpful uh i i just make sure to get the good probiotics all the time constantly and uh make sure the gut for me it's gut optimal gut health is a huge part of it because if you're not assimilating and digesting you're not getting anywhere. You got to start with the making sure you're actually able to absorb the nutrients you're taking in, right? Yeah. Most people mm. are very inflamed in the guts and um, all kinds of problems like the cilia that you know line the gut. They're all if they're inflamed long, they're damaged, and then they don't have the right um, surface area to absorb. So, like mm. making those grow back, and a lot of stuff kills those. Like EMFs will kill that, kill the cilia all kinds of uh, pesticides, like, you know, people are eating GMOs and stuff, destroys the gut, which we mm. didn't really talk about. Yeah, it's, um, so it's like the wild west out there, except in health. <laughs> so, I don't know, I think, I think we just are coming into an awakening where we're starting to realize that even the doctors, some doctors are like, go to a naturopath we can't help you <laughs> like they're realizing their limitations on a lot of this stuff that they need to do something else because a lot of them commit suicide eh? the suicide rate for mds is very high so they're um, not very happy people okay yeah mm. yeah didn't, didn't know that i was shocked to find out that they received less than one day of training in their five or five plus years of formal training and nutrition yeah like that's quite a, that was a life i mean what if you're sick that day then you miss it completely <laughs> <laughs> then you don't even know about b12 at all like not even yeah. a little 
No, yeah. it, no, it's yeah. true. And but remember the Rockefeller, like if you go at my YouTube videos on cancer, I go through the um, the history of what happened when the schools were captured by the Rockefeller mm -hmm. Morgan, you know, industrial complex, mm -hmm. and they bought all the chemical medicine um, uh, industry and they fed them. They fed the Carnegie money to like Carnegie's like, I don't know, do whatever with the money. Okay. So they bought all the schools. They bought, you know, they funded the hospitals. They made, made that be a thing. <laughs> they destroyed the homeopathic hospitals, the homeopaths, any holistic practitioner that wasn't licensed the way they want licensed. They That's right. put in jail, they right? Like Rife didn't write. Yeah. 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 Right. So, you mm. know, like this happened and it's still happening and the schools, they just teach the same like stock crap that they were told to teach. They're not allowed to teach this stuff, right? They don't want the, the doctors knowing this information. They don't even tell them what's in a vaccine. They don't even know. Did you see that video of the, um, what was the head of the uh, pediatrics, um, the APA or whatever it is, the pediatric association, the chair, the main head honcho woman on trial, and they're grilling her on vaccines I don't know. I'm not sure. What's in a vaccine? I don't know. Uh, do vaccines cause this and that? Not sure. I don't know. Uh, maybe. And you're like, huh? Like she didn't even have like, I think my grade 10 biology, I learned more in that class than what she was expressing. This is an MD, right? So that's where you're kind of like, holy cow, like, please. They don't know. They don't know these things, right? Like I'll get people in they're like, well, I got to I know you have a really cool protocol that's totally holistic and all this awesome stuff. And like, but I got to take that to my oncologist to make sure it's okay. Like, your, <laughs> your oncologist is going to not even know what the hell they're reading, probably name call me at the, you know, right in your face. And mm. like, they'll, if they're nice, they'll say they can't comment. If they're their usual selves, they'll judge it and say, you can't do that. Mm. Right. Like, what are you expecting? They, they don't know. It's like going to a hot dog stand and asking for a seven course meal. You're going the wrong place for the, for what you're asking. That's also why I'm writing the cult code book because what I realize is there's so there's a cult. It's a cult. It's like the thinking, right? It's very cult mindset. It's like embedded in the psyche that they can't get past this, uh, this like the, the, the teacher that, I mean, the doctor is God and I can't, I can't question my cult leader. I'll get ostracized from the cult. I won't have my doctor anymore, right? Like they can't, mm. they can't get past the whole thing. Because I had two um, patients, cancer patients in a row that were totally like, well, I have to check with my oncologist. I'm like, you're not getting it. They're not going to know. You're not going to get the answer you're asking for. Well, I'm not sure. I'm a, I really just want to do what my doctor says. You know, it's like, oh my God. But I realized it was just these cult programming. It's like, they were just repeating lines that they were told they were like TV told them or something like they weren't thinking. And in a cult, you don't think you just do what you're told. Right. Hmm. So that book compares and contrasts um, the medical um, situation with how cults are run. And also even in our society, like how, you know, how cultish it is. Hmm. So whenever I get that one done. <laughs> so this is second book then. The cult culture. Wow. <laughs> Probably someone else will write it 10 times over by the time we get it done, though. Uh, <laughs> Crazy. I'm looking out for both. Hey, well, thanks once again. I know it's getting late in the evening for you, so thank you for 
devoting time to us. Yeah, thanks, John. That was great.